Barnett will punt on fourth and nine. This is a high wobbling kick. Hill makes a catch at the 10. Left side, Hill to the 20, 25, 30. Hill down the left sideline, 40, and Hill's on the loose. There goes the cheetah, Tyreek Hill, 10, 5. Pistols firing, touchdown Oklahoma State. Welcome back to Tailgating from the Couch, week number three. Looking at all the college football action across week two, some of the storylines we've already seen develop, and of course, breaking down what we are going to see in week three, some of the matchups, picking some games. And in the episode again, we will have Garrett's gripes. So that's what you got to look forward to on this episode of Tailgating from the Couch. Back now, of course, first thing we got to do, go over our picks from last week. Not a good week for Mr. Garrett. One and four last week. Wrong on Arkansas over UT. Oregon beat Ohio State. We picked the Buckeyes. We picked Iowa State over Iowa and Tennessee over Pitt. The only one we got right was Coastal Carolina over Kansas. So one and four last week brings us to five and five through two weeks of the season. So not a great week trying to bounce back this week, but Looking at week two, a lot of interesting storylines. Uh, I think we got to start right away with Texas. Texas had a lot of momentum coming in after that win against Louisiana. And if you look at lo- what Louisiana did in their game as well, I think it shows us the pattern to what we expected from Texas. We thought Louisiana was a really solid team, and we were counting that as a really good win for Texas. Louisiana struggled to beat Nichols State. So I think that shows maybe Louisiana isn't where we thought they were. Therefore, Texas isn't where we thought they were. And Arkansas ran all over the Longhorns. 330-plus yards, 7 yards a carry. Texas had no answer for that Arkansas run game. Excuse the pun, but Arkansas ran hog wild all over that Texas defense. And it's something that Texas, it's been exposed. Other teams in the Big 12 have some strong running games. Teams are going to try to expose that now for Texas. And Steve Sarkeesian immediately goes on to the hot seat. It's one thing to lose big, but you know, all offseason talk has been Texas going to the SEC. So the first time you see an SEC team and one in Arkansas that has struggled the past five years, been a lower tier SEC team. And you just get smacked. Like, this game was never even close. It was a blowout from the get-go because Arkansas just ran all over Texas. So it'll be interesting to see how Texas bounced back, what they look like the rest of the season. Um, Casey Thompson's going to take over the starting duties for the moment, at least against Rice, to see what happens there. So Hudson Card will go to the backup position. So already a quarterback switch, two games into the Steve Sarkeesian era. That's our first big takeaway. Iowa State came out and laid an egg, did not perform up to what they wanted. Got They lose to Iowa, so another big loss for the Big 12, big win for the Big 10. A day they needed it, because that's bringing to our next point. Ohio State loses to Oregon, and it's a huge win for the Pac-12. And a week after I dragged the Pac-12 for some of the things they did poorly, huge week for them in terms of a big, big win for Oregon. And what it came down to, watching most of the game, Ohio State did not have an answer for Oregon's offense. They struggled again defensively, which was their Achilles heel last year and the year before. Their defense couldn't make enough stops to get off the field. 
And in the same token, their offense moved the ball really well, but stalled a few times in the red zone and came away with no points, which ended up being the difference in that game. So that was huge for the Pac-12 to get that win. Elsewhere in the Pac-12, Stanford dominated USC. It's a Stanford team that was dominated by K-State, who we'll get to. That led to Clay Helton being fired at USC, something else we'll dive into here in a little bit. So, But a big win for Stanford. Again, they were dominated by Kansas State. Kansas State struggled with Southern Illinois after Skylar Thompson went out, which makes you wonder what is their season going to look like if he can't come back very soon or if he's not as effective. I know I saw some reports that the injury wasn't as serious as expected. I've not seen how much time he is expected to miss, though. So that'll be a big thing for them because K-State without Skylar Thompson, I think will struggle to get to a bowl game. K-State with a healthy Skylar Thompson could maybe push that second spot in the Big 12, maybe, you know, third spot. They've looked really good so far in that Stanford game. That Stanford win looks now even more impressive because of that win against USC, but also Stanford didn't do the quarterback flip-flopping we saw against K-State, so you never know how big of a factor that is. Again, these early season games can be so hard to really tell what's going on, and a great example of that Notre Dame-Florida State. That game looked like an epic game between two good programs. Then we get to week two. Notre Dame needs a last-minute touchdown to beat Toledo at home. So almost upset by Toledo at Notre Dame. And then Florida State loses to Jacksonville State, a FCS program. So again, you can't always tell what these wins and losses mean because we don't know the quality of these teams yet. We don't know how good a team really is based on one or two games. So a lot of other teams looked really good. OU came out, looked a lot better. Oklahoma State came out, looked terrible against Tulsa, a Tulsa team that lost to UC Davis but was missing a handful of players against UC Davis. You don't know how different that is. Spencer Sanders, his first game back. What's he going to look like? The Cowboys have a big test at Boise this weekend. Maybe tell us a lot more about what they're really about heading into conference play. KU looked much better against Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina. Still figuring out where that team has as far as a top or bottom. You know, they haven't played in their last, you know, two years, last year and so far this year. They've really yet to play a truly elite team, a team that we'd view as, oh, that's a really good team. We haven't seen them do that. Yes, they beat y- beat BYU. We don't really know where they stacked up because there was no conference, no non-conference games last year. So now we're seeing them play a few other people and they they beat Kansas, which is great, but then it's it's Kansas. How far has Kansas really come? You know, they struggled last week against an FCS opponent. So trying to figure all that stuff out in this early season is very difficult. We're starting to get closer to conference play, some intriguing non-conference matchups. The SEC has remained dominant. The ACC is struggling. Pac-12 has been up and down. The Big 12 has been up and down. So... Right now, the SEC is the only conference that's really stood up. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're here, you know. But that's what you expect. So that's what we've seen so far from week two. Again, the big surprise is Texas getting blown out, Ohio State losing. So that's what you are looking for moving forward is how some of these teams bounce back. Some big tests in week three coming up that we will dive into. We're also going to talk about K-State what that Skylar Thompson injury could mean for them this week. And the big thing we're going to dive into, Clay Helton at USC. Who could be the next head man for the Trojans? Coming up after this on Tailgating from the Couch.
Back now on tailgating from the couch. Clay Helton out at USC after a bad loss to Stanford. Was it mean for the Trojans moving forward? A lot of names have already popped up. We've seen Urban Meyer's name pop up already one game into his NFL career. Matt Campbell's a hot name. Mike Gundy's a hot name. I've seen Eric Bieniemy pop up. The reports are that Bieniemy has stated there's only a handful of programs he would ever coach in college, and USC's one of them apparently. Uh, my personal radar, I think Bob Stoops is always a candidate. You know, he's not coaching right now. He's working for Fox. Maybe they can lure him out of retirement, come back, try to revitalize that program. So a lot of names already that are very intriguing because USC, as much as they have struggled in the post-Pete Carroll era, I mean, a lot of kids who are probably, you know, 18 years old and younger, you know, who aren't at least 20, don't quite remember how dominant USC was in the middle part of the 2000s. Those Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Lindale White teams, how good they were. So competitive, so dominant, like really one of the best college football dynasties we've ever seen. They're some Vince Young magic away from winning three consecutive national championships. So USC, I still think, is a brand. They're in Los Angeles, one of the biggest TV markets in the country and in the world. They can draw people. It's California. The weather's great. It's still a draw. So you get the right coach in there. I think USC, in a Pac-12 that we've already established, is weak in a lot of places, can rise back to prominence. Because USC is going to be one of those teams, when they're good, the pollsters, the media is going to talk about it. They have that same thing that Texas has, that Michigan has. When they've looked at least decent, they're going to be viewed as better than they are. And when they're great, or they're good, when they're good, they're great. When they're mediocre, they're good. So they're always a step above where they actually are in the eyes of the media. So they have that advantage. So whoever this next guy that comes in is going to be has a lot of stuff to work with. There's a lot of talent in the cupboard to be about getting the most out of it. Seen a lot of coaches struggle. Clay Helton couldn't get it done. Lane Kiffin couldn't get it done. Ed Orgeron, who we talked about last week, I think it turns out, you know, he really wasn't the coach we thought he was. A lot of guys have struggled to fill those Pete Carroll shoes, much like a lot of coaches at Texas have struggled since Mac Brown left. And Mac Brown struggled at the end of his tenure as well. So I think we're seeing USC really trying to find that next guy. And this is going to be a very intriguing hire. And it may not be the only big name hire we have the rest of this season. I've talked about that before that. I think Michigan's looking for a new coach at the end of the year. I think Nebraska's looking for a new coach at the end of the year. So we have a couple different possible vacancies, and USC's the first one. USC's the first big domino to fall as to the coaching search. My top three, if I had to rank the top three possibilities, I still think Bob Stoops is number one. I think that's their big fish you go after. I think number two is Eric Bieniemy. If he truly is interested in coaching a college program, I think it's a great fit for him. We've seen what he's done with Mahomes. Now the question is, how much of the Eric Bieniemy genius is his coaching ability, and how much of it is Patrick Mahomes' ability to make plays and make a lot of people look good? And then number three, I think, is Matt Campbell. I think he is starting to realize there is a definitive ceiling at Iowa State. This is supposed to be Iowa State's year, the year they make a push for a conference title, the year they make a push for a college football playoff berth. And we're two games in. We've seemingly seen those hopes pretty much crumble already. They struggled against Northern Iowa. 
They got beat down by Iowa. So their biggest rival came in and said, nah, nah. So they're struggling to think Matt Campbell, if he sees the writing on the wall, might get out of there. Might use, you know, his stock's really high right now. It may not ever get any higher. Maybe he uses this to bolt and go to a different garnet and gold program out in California. So that'll be a very interesting thing to look for. What happens with USC? What happens with the Trojans? And then in turn, with USC's program in a state of flux, what does this mean for conference realignment? I still think as much as we feel there's some some solitude, some solidifying of the conferences with UCF, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati accepting invites to the Big 12, I still think there's a possibility those other conferences go out and grab people, recruit people, bring them into their conference to solidify their conference, the ACCs, the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12. Right now on a national landscape, the Pac-12 is essentially a one-team conference. It's Oregon. I mean, let's be honest. UCLA has looked great so far this year, but Oregon is the brand right now, the winning brand in that conference. UCLA, honestly, on a national brand perspective, is still behind USC. And don't think the people at USC aren't aware of that. They still have a foothold over their in-town rival, that L.A. foothold of USC as the brand. And they know that if UCLA is on the rise, they got to find the right guy to step in and supplement that and really keep building themselves. Otherwise, they're going to fall down, down, and down. Because once you lose the foothold if you're USC in L.A., once you don't become the L.A. school, once UCLA becomes the L.A. school, then you're in trouble. We have seen how much UCLA has struggled over the years because USC came in in the mid-2000s and they were the L.A. school. and that We really saw the rise of USC back to prominence and the sudden decline of UCLA. So I think USC is very aware of that. That is why this next hire is gigantic for the Trojans. And I, I grew up watching, again, the nostalgia for me of seeing USC is still there. There's something classic about them. There are certain college football teams that I just feel are classic. USC, Florida State, Miami, Texas to a point, have a classicness to them that you just always remember them being good. And so many of those programs have struggled in recent years. So this will be very interesting to see what the Trojans do going, do moving forward. I still think Stoops is the guy they go after. And I said this earlier to someone, and it's really something to think about. And I'm going to irritate and offend, and a lot of people are going to get mad that I know at this next statement. Everyone talks about, at least where I grew up, where I'm from, that Bill Schneider turning around Kansas State the greatest program overhaul in college football history. Hard to argue that. K-State was atrocious, and he got them to a level of prominence. They were within seconds, yards, playing for a national championship. I would argue that what Bob Stoops did at Oklahoma is just as good, if not better, for this reason. Stoops got the job done. Stoops finished it off, and won a national championship. Yes, he only brought home one. He played in a few others. Not only did Stoops win that national title, OU really hasn't looked back much since since they left the John Blake era. Because people forget how bad OU was before Stoops showed up. This is an Oklahoma State alumnus saying this. 
Bob Stoops, in my opinion, again, I have friends who are K-State fans and alums. I have a cousin who I love very dearly who is the biggest K-State fan I have ever met. And Maggie, if you're listening, I love you. And I say this with love in my heart. Do not come to Texas and kill me for saying this. I think what Bob Stoops did at OU rivals or is not better than what Bill Schneider did at Kansas State. Both incredible jobs. Incredible jobs. I think in terms of college athletics and turning programs around, the only thing I can think of that is at a higher scale is what Scott Drew did at Baylor, taking Baylor from where they were at to winning a national championship. That's the only thing in college sports I think is better than both of them. But in college football, I would say Bob Stoops' job at OU, taking them from what they were at John Blake, a bad Bad program. They were bad. They were so far removed from the Barry Switzer years and the Bud Wilkinson years. That wasn't the OU that you saw in the late 90s. And then Soups came in and very quickly turned it around and reminded people that they were OU. They won a national championship. Now, a lot of people will argue, and I would even be one of them, if the polls get everything right that year and Miami plays OU for a national championship instead of Florida State, OU doesn't win a national title that year. Miami does. Miami does convincingly. I wholeheartedly think that. But that's not the way it worked out. And OU and Bob Stoops have a national championship. So if I'm USC, I'm looking at that going, this guy's doing nothing right now. There's obviously some itch to coach because we saw it with the XFL. Maybe it's just going to take the right school to lure big game Bob out of retirement and try to turn around another program a program that I honestly think a hire like that, with his ability to recruit in a conference that he's in, would not take very long for him to turn that around. I think a Stoops hire at USC, they win the conference within two years and are competing for a national title within three. I think, again, this is an Oklahoma State fan saying this, an alumnus saying this. That's how much I think of Bob Stoops' ability to coach. So... He's my pick. If you're USC, if you guys are listening out there, I would try to go get big game Bob. I think Eric Bieniemy is another one. I think he's a riskier one because we don't know what Eric Bieniemy as a coach looks like without Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is one of those players that can make up for a lot of deficiencies. He is that basketball player who is a superstar who plays with four average people that wins a championship because he's just so much better than everybody else. So that's the risky thing with Eric B. Also, and if he shows him does a great job, how long before he moves on to the NFL? I don't think you have to worry about that with Stoops. I think if you hire Stoops, he's the, this is the last spot he goes to. I really think that. Other coaches, maybe not. Maybe they use USC as a jumping point. So that's what we're looking at from USC. Again, a very intriguing hire coming up for the Trojans. After the break, we're going to look at this week's games, break down a couple of them, do a couple picks. Hopefully I can do much better than last week. And of course, still got Garrett's gripes coming up. Back now on tailgating from the couch, looking at some of the games coming up this week, week three in college football. A lot of intriguing matchups. Oklahoma State goes to the Smurf turf to take on Boise State. Broncos a three and a half point favorite on that one. OU and Nebraska reigniting their rivalry, 11 a.m. on Saturday. OU a 22-point favorite. I kind of expect OU to roll big time in that one. Uh, I don't think Scott Frost makes it through the rest of the year. This could be a very embarrassing game for the Huskers. 
Cincinnati will host or will go to Indiana, the Bearcats, a four-point favorite on that one. Indiana, a lot of expectations coming into the year. They got beat by Iowa. We'll see how they can rebound. Texas A&M taking on New Mexico at home. A&M struggled with Colorado after Haynes King left early in the first quarter. They struggled offensively. Virginia Tech, a three-point road dog at West Virginia. Looking elsewhere, all kinds of games. Minnesota and Colorado, the Buffs, a two-and-a-half-point favorite there. Nevada at Kansas State. The Wolfpack, a two-point favorite in this one, mainly because of that injury to Skylar Thompson, seeing what he can do. Notre Dame will host Purdue. They're a seven-point favorite there. Alabama goes to the Swamp, where they're a 14-and-a-half-point favorite over the Gators. Georgia Tech, a 28-and-a-half-point underdog at Clemson. Florida State takes on Wake Forest. Seminoles are winless and a five-and-a-half-point dog at Wake. Baylor and KU will break open the Big 12 slate. The Bears a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in Lawrence. USC and their interim head coach are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at Wazoo. Looking at that one, Mississippi State is a three-point favorite at Memphis. Battle of the Nerds, Northwestern at Duke. Northwestern a three-point favorite there. Arkansas State's a 16-and-a-half-point dog at Washington, who is winless. Looking elsewhere, Georgia, a 31-point favorite over South Carolina. Utah is an 8-point favorite at San Diego State. Penn State's a 6-point home favorite over Auburn. Ole Miss, a 14-point favorite over Tulane. Tulane gave OU a heck of a game. That one could be pretty interesting. Another battle of the nerds, Vanderbilt and Stanford. Stanford, a 12-point favorite there. Texas, a 26-point favorite over Rice. BYU, a a 3.5-point home dog to Arizona State. And UCLA is an 11.5-point favorite over Fresno State. Remember, Fresno State gave Oregon one heck of a game to start the season. Looking at our picks again, we are 5-5 through two weeks of the season. Number one, Alabama at number 11, Florida. I like the Tide in this one. I think this will be their first really big test. See how good they are compared to Florida. Florida has had some struggles offensively, especially at the quarterback position. I think the Tide is able to exploit that on their defense. Number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. I've kind of gone back and forth this one. I'm not quite sure if Penn State is in that top 10 ranking where they have them, but I think it's so hard to play at Happy Valley that I think that carries the Nittany Lions through. I think Bo Nick struggles on the road. I think Penn State gets the win there. Number 19, Arizona State at number 23, BYU. I like the Cougars at home. Again, another tough place to play. We're still not sure what Arizona State's all about, so give me the Cougars. Number 15, Virginia Tech at West Virginia. Virginia Tech kind of surprised they're the underdog in this one, but give me the Hokies to pull the win out in Morgantown and Nevada at Kansas State. Now, I've already severely irritated all my Kansas State listeners by what I had to say regarding Bill Schneider and Bob Stoops, but I like Nevada in this one in a close game if Skylar Thompson is completely unable to play. If he can't play, if he's not up to what he usually is, I think Nevada wins. I think Nevada is good enough offensively. They'll move the ball in that K-State defense like we saw Southern Illinois do. And I think Kansas State without Skylar Thompson is going to struggle to score points. So no Skylar Thompson. I like Nevada. If Skylar Thompson plays and is healthy, I think K-State wins. So that's kind of a caveat. But overall, I'm leaning towards I think Nevada is going to win. I think either way, it's a close game. 
I just think Nevada pulls that off and gets that win. So once again, my picks for this week, going to try to go better than 1-4 last week. Alabama over Florida, Penn State over Auburn, BYU over Arizona State, Virginia Tech over West Virginia, and Nevada over Kansas State. So that's what we got for picks this week. Coming up after the break, you know what it is. It's everybody's favorite segment, Garrett's Gripes. Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Back now on tailgating from the couch doing some griping from Garrett. So Garrett's gripes. And this week's episode of Garrett's gripes, if you want to call it a mini episode, is about people who don't have respect for your time. Now, this could be a boss. Could be a coworker, could be a spouse, a friend, you know, an acquaintance, a parent, you know, a child. I think we all have people in our lives who don't have respect for our time, and it's very frustrating, especially when in a lot of situations you're putting in so much more time than usual, so much more time on a, you know, a project, or maybe it's a project you're doing with this person, they're not putting as much time in either. You know, maybe it's someone you're working for that you're putting in a lot of extra effort and it just seems to go unnoticed, which I understand happens. You know, we don't do the work we do for, you know, always for the accolades, but it's 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 really frustrating when that work that you do is put in is seemingly thrown away and discounted like it's nothing. You know, because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of people out there are working a lot of extra hours through a lot of difficult times right now that... You know, comparatively to a lot of people, you know, is nothing. But there's a lot of things going on and people putting the time and sometimes it just feels like you're, you're not getting the acknowledgement or the, you know, the appreciation for how much you're really doing. So that can be very frustrating for a lot of people. And that's kind of what this gripe this week is about is just, you know, if you're someone out there and you realize, really take a step back. Look at what others are doing for you, with you, to help you to further something for you and them. Look at how much work is being put in by other people around you and take a step back and acknowledge that. The simple acknowledgement of, hey man, I know you're working your butt off, I really appreciate that right now, can really make things go a long way. Because it's not so much, in my experience, in situations like this, or me personally, I guess, People don't get angry that they're doing extra work, that they're working a lot extra, doing a lot more than someone else. What is irritating and can be the most frustrating is when that extra work is seemingly thrown away. Like there's no respect for it at all. That, you know, they just put other work on top of it simply because they don't respect the amount of work that's already being put in. So just acknowledge that work that's being put in. Acknowledge that extra effort that's being put in. And, you know, I guess and if you're someone who's doing a project with someone else, try to step up to that level, match that production because the project will be done that much faster. If you're working somewhere where you have one or a handful of people really put in the extra hours, dive right in with them. See how you can help. I guarantee you stepping in to help them, to work with them, to take some pressure off of them will make things a thousand percent smoother. So that's just what it is. That's This week's Garage Gripes is more philosophical. It's not as funny as some other ones I've had, but 
it's one that's really been kind of weighing on me recently, and I really wanted to say something about it, and this is my podcast, so I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> but that's really what it, this week is about, just the ability to acknowledge the others around you and really pay attention to everyone around you and what they're doing. You know, sometimes we are, we get so wrapped up in what we're doing, what we have to do, we don't see everything that's going on around us, and we lose sight of that, and that can be a very dangerous thing to happen. So just take a step back and appreciate others who are helping you, appreciate those who are doing the extra work, and take your time out of your day to say, hey, thanks, I really appreciate it, I've noticed it, I see what you're doing, and I guarantee you that will go further than you could ever believe. So that's what we got for this week on Garrett's Gripes, just appreciate other people's time and respect other people's time. Time is the most valuable thing we have in this life because we only get so much of it. So when someone is actively using their own time to get stuff done, to do things, to help you, to help your business, to help, you know, fix something up, to help a project like that, that means something. So just respect people's time. That's really all we got on this week. For Garrett's Gripes, that's really all we got on this week for tailgating from the couch. Big week of college football coming up, like I said. The closer we get to conference play, getting fully into conference play is really what we're going to see what these teams are about. Some big matchups this week. Alabama, Florida, the conference game. Big 12 getting some conference games going. The Big Ten's already played a few conference games. Obviously, the Pac-12 has. They played a conference game, and USC's looking for a new head coach. And right now, that's the biggest storyline going in college football. Who's going to be the next coach of the Trojans, along with everything going with realignment. So that's what we got this week on Tailgating from the Couch. As always, stay off the field and don't be a meme.